Hello and welcome back to another episode of Peaced Off, the Ski Racers podcast brought to you by Fantasy Ski Racer, Technica Ski Boots, and Blizzard Skis. Follow up our episode with the legendary Mike Lafferty. Now comes another legend in his own right. Uh, Chuck Ferries is the only American male to win the Kitzbühel Slalom. And boy, does he have a lot of good things to say. So, here comes Chuck. All right, we're very lucky to have legendary Chuck Ferries with us. And for those of you who don't, you or aren't using his name as a household, for the record, Chuck Ferries is the first American to win the Kitzbühel Slalom back in 1962. He's also a member of the 1960 and 64 Olympic team, but mostly... I'd say, Chuck, you being the first American to win the Kitzbühel Slalom, and then also, I believe, uh, I remember you telling, telling me a story one time of you, you danced with your sister at the awards ceremony. Because <laughs> uh, I, I guess, uh, well, I mean, it sounds appropriate. Yeah. Um, I, I was the first American male to win Kitzbühel. Right, right, male, sure. Uh, Linda Myers, I think is the name. Uh, she won it uh, before I did when when they had both men and women racing in Kitzbühel. They haven't since uh, the early 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's now in 2022 will be 60 years and no other American has won the slalom in Kitzbühel. And uh, so you're I, the only American male. So to I am the only American male <laughs> to have won. And I watched it this year, and there was no other American. There was no American in the race, and I was just flabbergasted and obviously disappointed. I can completely understand and relate to what you're saying. I think. There are some circumstances occurring right now for the better, but still it's a little peculiar if you don't know any of those things to look at the Kitzbühel song this year and go, where's anybody? I mean, Bangan, this past year, we had one American starting 53, 18-year-old Ben Ritchie. He almost made the flip. He did a pretty good job for especially an 18-year-old kid. But uh, and I think he's going to be a, a shining light on our slalom future. But to to not have somebody, anybody, you know, we do have guys that can ski slalom. Yes, I mean, yes, at least for the sake of the nation's pride. <laughs> well, things have changed a lot. There's a lot of freestyle going on, and a lot of other things that 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 you're not getting necessarily all the best athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to run slalom, which is when I started skiing, you had a choice of downhill slalom or cross country and jumping. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, those were your four choices. So, so when you when you started, you were you you you, initi- you initially started ski ski racing back in Michigan. Is that correct? Yes, uh, on a slope called Ripley Hill which was later changed to Mount Ripley. And it had a vertical of about between 350 and 400 feet vertical drop. That's a lot of slalom gates. And, uh, well, you could have some slalom. (laughs) 
but we had a we had a great program, and we were able to all the schools let people out at three o'clock for whatever sport they wanted to be in, mm-hmm. and uh, we would go over to Mount Ripley, and by the time we got there, uh, there would be a, a course set up, and uh, we would race against, and it was owned by Michigan Tech. And a guy by the name of Fred Lonsdorf was the coach, and he would set up a he would set up a course, and we would all run it. Uh, Houghton High, all the high schools around, and uh, as well as Michigan Tech students. And we would take about ten runs a day, and every run was timed. Every single. Every single run was timed, and so. And we did it with a flag, ready, set, go. Mm-hmm. And when we went to the bottom, we went around and went to the rope toe to, to go up. And our time was was posted. And all 10 of our times were posted. And all of the racers' times were posted. So you could not only see how you did compared to the other the other runs you took, and get something out of it, but you could also see who was the fastest. And so you, in every run, you could check and check and see what was posted. So every, every run you knew every, you were at. Every single run. You could see what you did, what the other person you were watching did, etc. And so who is, so were you mostly using that as your feedback at the time, or were you, was the coach giving you good feedback? Were you talking to each other as athletes? Or You, you, you would get some feedback from the coach, but, but really the most important part was the was the program itself? Yeah, just being competitive mm-hmm. and bringing out the competitiveness in the people who had it in them, and uh, and learning how to to go ahead and do that. Now, let me ask you, for the sake of my own sanity, and given this time, day and age, were there kids that you skied with that would get bummed out? from looking at their time to every run? I I have no idea. Yeah. I, I wasn't worried about them. Yeah. I was only worried about me. And you and your concern was <laughs> to go faster. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. And uh and and we did other things too. I mean we jumped and we ran cross country and we did, you know, free skiing and so mm-hmm. on and so forth, bump runs and stuff. But but the fact that at least four days a week, sometimes five, that every day after school we would run and we would be timed. So every day was race day. Every day was race day. And then you did, and then when did you start uh, becoming a, um, a resident of Colorado? Um, well, in 1954, when I was like 14, I... Uh, I got a chance to go to the Junior Nationals in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I'd never been out of Houghton. And going to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, I mean, holy cow. <laughs> I saw mountains for the first time in the biggest and beautiful, most beautiful place. Yeah. And uh, we stayed at the Ward Hotel with a silver dollar bar and listened to the Sons of the Pioneers play. And country music, which I'd never heard either. And we'd go out after skiing and, and look at the animals, the elk and the reindeer and everything right in town. Yeah. 
And it was just, it was shattering to me. And I decided at that point that I, I, wanted, to, I wanted to live in the West, not in North <laughs> Michigan. Yeah, right. Well, I think, there, I think there's been uh, many dreams since then that have been fulfilled in the same regard, mine included. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then, so, so, so to your question, I talked my parents into sending me to Aspen High School for my senior year oh. because I wanted to go to the University of Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, it was too expensive for me, and my grades probably wouldn't allowed me to get in as an out of state tuition or as an out of state student. Yeah, and uh, if I graduated from Aspen High School, they they had to take me. Sure. <laughs> And it was about three hundred dollars a semester. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! That's awesome. So I I ended up, and I didn't end up at call at uh, CU. I ended up at the University of Denver. Oh okay. And uh, Bob Biatti was the coach uh, at CU then, and we didn't. I didn't get along with the students. Let me just put it that way. And. At, D, at, at DU? At, at CU. Oh, at CU. And, and so I went there first, and I got a letter from Bob saying he didn't think I'd fit into the University of Colorado ski team. No way. Yeah. So I, I went to uh, so I went to DU, and uh, Willie Scheffler was a coach there. And uh, he, was, he was a great help. And, uh, I w- and, and working on a quarter system team yeah. is better than a... A, a semester team mm-hmm. because you could get off in December and come back in in March and you could get two thirds of your year in and still take off in the winter and ski mm-hmm. and Willie allowed me to do that even though I was on a scholarship and so I'd go to Europe in, uh, in the winters of 59, 60 so you weren't 69. even back in the U.S. skiing for DU at the time. You were in Europe. I didn't ski for DU until, like, I think, 61. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, in a way, and times was, haven't changed in that and, regard. And I was there for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody calls you doctor. No, 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 no. But, um, so Mike Lafferty was saying that at the time, because of the, of the amateurness of of the sport at the time, and not that it's that different now, but the schools were pretty helpful in trying to fought, let, let you become... Well, the national team at the time was drawing from college kids primarily, yeah. and then the schools were pretty, pretty supportive of that as well. Right. Right. And so, I mean, when you were when you were in Europe, you know, during the, that time of your like your first couple of years there, were was the school pretty supportive of, of you well, and and or were you on the national team at that time? Well, first of all, I, I qualified my senior year in high school for the national team. I was oh. in the top eight, but they, but they only take, took six, so I didn't go. But the next two years. Well, there was no U.S. ski team then. Yeah. So in 1960 for the Olympics, they got the U.S. ski team together three weeks before the event. And that was it. So it wasn't until Bob Beatty became the coach in 1961 that he started the U.S. ski team. 
Okay. But before that, I would go to Europe for for at least two years, three years, and and race by myself, with no coach. And I raced Kitzbühel, I think in fifty nine, sixty, and and sixty one. And uh, and never made the finish in the downhill. Oh wow! But you still were able to wake up the next day to do the slalom. But I could. I no, you oh. you couldn't race the slalom okay. because they only allowed you to race the slalom based on how you finished in the downhill. Uh, it was a combined. There were different rules then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I never raced the slalom in Kitzbühel. I only raced it once. So and that was. So the, I think I'm the only person in the world that is undefeated. <laughs> in the Kitzbühel slalom, so, so I'm the only person that only <laughs> only was able to race it once because I didn't qualify. <laughs> well, the, that this 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 statistic just gets more and more amazing, Chuck. <laughs> so, so when you were so so in '62, you you finally found the finish line of the downhill, and you're able to. Well, Beatty Beatty came in and 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 coached. Okay. And and even though I was at DU, I would go up to Boulder, and uh, and and train with, and he had a training program, a first class training program that was the first one I'd ever seen, mm-hmm. and we'd go three four days a week, and then on the weekends we'd do something, and then he'd take us to Bend, Oregon in the summer to train, and uh, the other thing he did, and and it was always being we were always being timed. It was always how do you be the best. Beatty had 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 two basic things. One is you have to be your best, and the best you can be, and 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 winning is the best, <laughs> <laughs> and that we're a team, and we have to have, work together as a team and help each other as a team, and this was a little crazy to me because my dad told me that. He didn't want me in team sports. He wanted me in, in individual sports. He thought that would be better for my life. So I played golf and I skied because they're individual sports, something I could do my whole life. Uh, and that was part so of his thinking too? That, that, that was why he told me to do it. Mm-hmm. So this was a little bit different from, from Beatty, but we all grew to grew with it. Cool. So... And uh, and so we just trained and trained and trained. And DU didn't have a problem with you, uh, with you doing sp- splitting your time like that. No. Interesting. No, Willie was great. He was great. He'd do everything he could to help me do whatever I wanted to do. And was he? Was there were there, were there other athletes with you at that time? Where that were on the same kind of the same path? There or? weren't. There were. I was the only one at DU that was on the U.S. Alpine ski team. Uh-huh. Most of the rest of them were at CU. Yeah, and and, and Biadi when he when you in '62 at that point that was Biadi's second season as the U.S. team coach. Yeah. So yeah. that's when things started to kind of. When you were there in like '59 and '60, then were there other Americans racing? Other American males racing? Oh yeah, there? yeah. There, there were other Americans racing. Yeah. Uh, but they, I was the young one, mm-hmm. and they were all older. And and some really good Tom Corcoran uh, had a fourth, yeah, and Kitzbühel in the slalom, and so the, 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 they did really really well. But there there wasn't really a t- there wasn't a team, yeah. 
It's only when Beatty started and everybody started training and working hard and trying to be the best and help each other. And uh, the one story that I, I have about the team in in nineteen in in the fall of sixty one, uh, just before we were the sixty one sixty two season, we were in Aspen and I I fell and hurt myself. And the one thing he had us do is is we would go to Kitzbühel. No, we wouldn't go to Kitzbühel. We'd go to Val d'Isère and train with the French. So we could sit and watch Jean-Claude Keeley and the rest of the French and see, okay, this is where they're turning. This is how they're doing. And then try to be as good as they were. So it wasn't just to be the best that we could be. We had to be the best of, of the French team, too, <laughs> if, right. we were, if we were going to. And, and you learn from all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's really important. You see how the best are doing it, and you figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. And that was a really important part of the, a part of the program. And uh, so, just before the race, and we were going to go on vacation, Gordy Eaton and Buddy Warner and myself, and I fell in the slalom, and uh, went back to the hotel, and we're getting ready to go. And I was out of my ski stuff, and Buddy Warner came in and said, "Chuck, we can't go on vacation like this. You have to go up. I, I'm going to take you up, and I'm going to set a course." And show you what you what you got to do. So wait a minute. What about the injury here? Where? Well, I, I I'm 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 okay, but I'm not planning my pole. I'm late. I'm doing everything wrong. Oh, okay. And and it it wasn't a, it was just I had a sore shoulder. Or I had whatever it was. Yeah. And so he took me up, showed me where I should be finishing my turn, showed me this, set a course. I made eight eight runs in a row just on a little tea bar and we went on vacation <laughs> good vibes and good feelings in the front of your mind to, to Switzerland for six or seven days before we came back mm-hmm. went to Vengen and Kitzbühel and I I had a really good run first run in, in, in Vengen and fell in the second to last gate on the second run and then I won in Kitzbühel and then I won in Cortina <laughs> the next week and so you say two, two. You, they weren't World Cups at the time, but they yeah. were the World. What ended up being the World Cup, and that was because of Buddy Warner. And that's because of skiing is a team sport, and you got to help each other. Yeah. And and I I just think those are two of the most important things that you can do: be your best and work as a team. I completely I completely and, agree and, with and, that. Yeah. And, and Beatty just did a a great job. Wow. With all of that, what are what are some things um, since then that you have seen that have really kind of changed in your perspective in, in terms of the sport, either at the cl- local club level or even at the top level? I'm I'm not sure that I can that I know really enough about it mm-hmm. to say that this is what they should do and this is what they shouldn't do and so on and so forth. But there, there's definitely some changes. Yeah. One of the changes is there's a lot more ski racers. Yeah. Or, or a lot more skiers doing the events. And between freestyle and and the other uh, events, uh, you're getting a lot of the good athletes mm-hmm. doing other things than running slalom. Yeah. Uh, 
the, the, the second thing is that I think there's an issue that starts in the schools and goes into the local programs in, in a lot of sports. And that this is just, this is, it's, a, it's not about winning, it's just about competing. And you go out and you compete, and if you finish, you get a medal. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and they're hesitant to train for time every day. They hardly ever do that. They go out and ski and have fun and do this and do that. But but skiing for time, uh, they they just haven't figured out how to do that. It's too time consuming to set up. It's this. I mean, I've heard a lot of different excuses or reasons. Yeah. But all of those reasons are why we don't have winners. From from my perspective, I think the biggest sensitivity is 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 to the other athletes. You know, I see kind of on a regular basis. I think there's a time and a place for. For timing, and I think that there's there's value in not timing, but I think there is a certain level of of sensitivity where, you know, if you have it out there too much, and kids kids become overly aware of their of not just what they lack as a skier, which is what they should be thinking about, and how do I make that better? They think they think, oh, I'm not I'm not any good, so I'm just not going to do it. Right. And I think there's there's a really big perspective that kind of succumbs to that thought process yes i understand that yeah and that's why we don't have winners yeah <laughs> yeah well it's hey because i just made you another excuse because that's they're, all. they're afraid of having losers yeah <laughs> I, that's and, that's a big thing and it's it, it is a big thing but it's everywhere yeah it's in high school kids aren't studying because they don't get, get enough tests because they, they you have to participate it's how many people can finish yeah. How many can graduate? Not who's the best. Right. Now, the other issue in skiing is it's expensive. Mm-hmm. And very often, the best athletes and the athletes who are willing to continue come from families that, that really don't have a lot of money. So if you take all those kids out of the sport of skiing, uh, that... You're, you're missing your best athletes, and yeah. and when I came in, when we were there, it, it was much different because uh, uh, once we went to college, it was about college, and so the wealthy kids, their parents didn't want them to ski; they wanted them to study, and and the poor kids just just would go to school and they would, but they would ski. And, uh, and and they would stay on and, and, and try to win. That skiing was more important to them than getting good, great grades. That was the case with me anyway. Any, and uh, yeah. so now you're not you're not good until you're 24, 25, 26. We we made no money. Uh, we were dead broke, and now you know kids. Michaela's got to be making millions. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's a, she's a, she's the most amazing person, skier I've ever seen, both men or women, anywhere in the world. What she does is is just truly amazing. I'm not gonna argue with you. And uh, I haven't had anybody argue with me <laughs> on that one. <laughs> 
Well, no, you have pressure to go to school and to get yeah. grades. Right. And uh, and the good the, the the wealthy kids that that uh, were good at the time also went to college. Yeah. But but their focus was on college. Yeah. <laughs> More than than mine and some of the others of us. Well, I mean, I'm 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 privy to the idea that if you follow your passions to the highest level or the highest level that you're capable of, you're going to learn a lot more about yourself and about who you are than any textbook or yeah. or philosophy yeah. class is ever going to yeah. teach you. Those things are just going to affirm what you already know. Right. So, I mean, and especially in your case and a lot of others, you know, from having achieved a high level in sport, wouldn't you say that? And by, by, by the pursuit of achieving that, wouldn't you say that that's what's given you the ability to have a successful professional life afterwards? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it gave me the opportunity, and, and I was fortunate to have so many people to help me along the way. When you were, when you were an athlete, you know, obviously it's amateur, and, you know, and you don't, and you, and you say you, you didn't, you weren't making any money. Who were were people, sponsors or donors? Were people rallying around you to help support that, like they do today? No, not at all. Uh, we worked all the time, so we had jobs through through college. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first year I took off at the winter, I went up to Aspen. And was on the ski patrol. As you and you were racing. And I was racing. Yeah. And I was on the ski patrol during the day, and I had a job at the Red Onion as a as a dishwasher first, and then as a busboy, and eventually as a waiter, over over a period of time, at night. Yeah. So I I worked two jobs, and 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 we had uh, oh God. Um, there, there were some really good Austrians there, and I'd go up and train with them, and uh, watch what they did. They were, were, they, were they ski in instructors Aspen. in Aspen? No, they were just came over, uh, and I can't think of their names. I'm so bad. But 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 they were the, they were the best. Oh, so the, so these were the best guys from Austria. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got a picture of myself and, and with Tony Siler standing in the slalom hill. Yeah. With Tony Siler on one side of me and uh, Stein Erickson on the other side. And I'll show it to you after. And this is, and this photo, in that photo at the time, it, you were barely in college and no, you were. I was in high school. Oh, you were a senior. That was when you were a senior. That was when I was a senior in high school. Yeah. And then when I came back, there were some other Austrians. Stein wasn't racing at the time he was doing flips yeah uh and uh but we would molter andro molter yeah was one who was there and we just go up and watch him run slalom and holy shit excuse me uh he was really i mean unbelievable what how he did and and we just again try to do the same wow Chuck, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your... I know you're such a busy guy. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, being I'm, available I'm, I'm to do this. I'm not busy any longer. <laughs> I'm, in the, I'm in the well into the retirement mode. <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it, it's just fun to watch the kids do well. and uh, I just think that 
the, that everything has to get back to winning mm -hmm. and get a program to to help them do that and train and run gates every 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 three times or four times and if those who don't want to then you can have another little program over here for them mm -hmm. to keep them happy yeah. but keep the good ones that want to stay and do it and uh, and and do well and they've got to do that yeah they have to do something like that or we're, we're going to be here no no Americans ever going to win a slalom again because <laughs> they aren't even going to be in the race because they aren't even gonna be able to qualify this is not a event but thank you Oh, I certainly appreciate it. I'm sure this is uh, some valuable um, words of wisdom here. I certainly have taken a lot out of this. So thank you so much. Okay. My pleasure. And that concludes this episode with Chuck Ferries here at Peaced Off, the Ski Racers podcast brought to you by Fantasy Ski Racer, Technica, and Blizzard. Thank you again for tuning in.